Jason show is on the air. What an hour we just had um, <laughs> yeah. where we watched TJ Jefferson of the Rich Eisen show, our social media grandmaster, as he likes to be called, appear on The Price is Right, something that's been in the can since uh, late March. Yep. Did he get out of contestants row? Yes, he did. Yes, I did. He got on contestants row. He got out of contestants Real row. quick. Then he got he played Master Key, which I mean, is like a game I've never really, I, it's, it's a rare one. Yeah, and apparently one of those keys opened everything. Made it to the final showcase double over. See ya. Yeah. But you will be bringing into the Rich Eisen show uh, <laughs> tomorrow, if you wish, if you want, unless you haven't received it yet. I haven't gotten it yet. Popcorn maker uh, and uh, a ping pong table. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> we, we, look, we needed a ping pong table here. We, we definitely needed, did. Which we I have right now. Need <laughs> a but, uh, well done. Yeah, thank well you. Done. Thank you. It was well fun. Done. Well, well done. done, TJ Jefferson. TJ. Well done. Uh, we're not done, but, but there's still lots going on because I, you know, I, I, I heard, I didn't see, that you did the Billie Jean dance entering the arena, which is well done. I can't wait to see talk more about that. Uh, John Lee Hancock, the director of The Little Things, which is on DVD now, and also uh, of The Rookie and also The Blind Side. He's going to be joining us in about 20 minutes' time. But joining me here, he could not have been more generous with his time, his passion, uh, his retweets for his remarkable um, and regramming of his incredible social media footprint. Um, and uh, I, I, we, we all thought he would run the fastest out of all the NFL legends for the 2021 run, Rich Run. Um, and he did. And I knew that people would be talking about that after the run. And they are. He is Michael Vick here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Rich. How about yourself? You, I'm, I'm, I couldn't be more thrilled at how you ran and your generosity with your time to come all the way out to Los Angeles and to give it your all, to give you me your uh, – give of – uh, your time and hamstrings to St. Jude, Michael. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Definitely gave a hamstring to St. Jude, but like I said, <laughs> and I reiterate it, it was for a good cause. And yes, Rich, everybody and I who was there knew that I would run the fastest time. <laughs> it's just that I thought I would run faster. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, and, boo. And, and, and look, yeah, I want to say this to the people because I'm proud about it. I'm proud about, you know, one – you know, it was a successful event, and we was able to raise that money, and, and you know, it, it was amazing. Two, everybody put the time and effort into it, man, and, and uh, you know, three, I really wanted to run a four or five for the people. But next year, I'm a train, and hopefully you'll invite me back, man, and I'll be more than glad to come back. No doubt. So at what point in this run did your, your hammy give way? Michael, uh, it was it, it was I had like I think I had maybe like 15 yards left. You know what happened, Rich? I'm running, and the first 20 yards I got out. Even Chris Carter was behind me. He was like, "Oh, Mike, you was getting it," <laughs> and, and, and I was on to something, and I felt good. And then I felt that 
that like it's like when a tire go flat. You know, when you riding on the road, you just hear that doom doom. You hear that thump. <laughs> And I felt that thump, and which I've known all too well over my years. Yes. And uh, it was about halfway in that last 10 yards really count in terms of just kind of like leaning in and, and, and finishing strong. But I, I learned the lesson, man. And you know what, man? I, I couldn't have been with a better group. It, it couldn't have happened at a better time. Even to pull my hamstring, you know, when I think about it, as I limp around the house, man, out here in Florida, you know, I'm like, man, you know, I did it for all the right reasons. Yes, you did, Michael. And you ran with Andy Dunn, the uh, the donor uh, who, along with seven others, gave over a million dollars for the chance to run with you and the rest of of the uh, the NFL legends. And, you know, um, Chris Carter ran really well. I mean, he he uh, he really ran very well. Like he had a shot to break five seconds, just you like know, you. Big time. Ironically, Chris was one of the guys who was saying the whole time, Mike. You know what, man? I'm just gonna coast. I'm not gonna run too hard. I'm gonna make sure. <laughs> and as soon as he get down on that line, his competitive juices yeah. started flowing. And, and Chris looked really good running the run. I thought Ray ran well. You know, uh, didn't know what I was going to get from Jerry, but he's the gro- he's the goalie. You know, 40 won't matter with him, but guys really did put their all into it, and that was really exciting to see. Michael Vick here on the Rich Eisen Show. And there's just the camaraderie uh, amongst the legends, and then, of course, the legends and donors, but just seeing the eight NFL legends out there just on a field and seeing the competitive juices get going, and then you having an opportunity saying, I wanted to throw a pass to Jerry Rice, and then you did. It was oh, man. so cool. That was amazing. That, that was so cool. Like, one of my coolest moments um, that I'll be, definitely be able to share with, with my kids. And, uh, you know, I grew up idolizing Jerry Rice. I was a big-time 49ers fan and, and loved Steve Young and Jerry and that whole connection. And Jerry to Montana and, you know, always – follow his career, you know, even after San Francisco, even though I was a little distraught, but at the same time, always remained a huge Jerry Rice fan, so uh, thanks for making that happen, oh. too, because being in that arena, I was able to ask him, Jerry, let me get one, and he gave me two. <laughs> <laughs> we only got this, we only got video of one, but he's, it was a slant. That was a great, yeah. you threw it dark, well, well, Mike. Well, well, actually, I thought he would want to run a go-route or something. Right. And I told him, give me something that, you know, he gave everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, what really worked out there, Jerry? He was like, a slant. I'm like, bro, that's so old school. Like, that's <laughs> like the first uh, concept pass play that was put into the West Coast system, you know. Uh, but, you know, he ran it to perfection still at the age of whatever he is. I won't say, but, man. It, it was really cool to throw a pass to Jerry Rice. The whole thing was that. great. And then again, the camaraderie, like I said, just seeing the night before when we all got together to talk about the yeah. event, Ray and Rod Woodson just swapping stories about their Amazing Super Bowl story. year together. Oh, My man. favorite story, though, Mike, was the one you told about Ray and him. <laughs> please please tell everyone this story right here on the well, Rich Eisen Show, Michael Vick. Go for it. Well, just in a short, um, you know, I've only been afraid to play against one player in all my years of football. And that one player was Ray Lewis. And every year we played against Ray when I was with the Falcons or the Eagles, either Ray was hurt or I was hurt every time the Ravens and whatever team I was playing, playing for a class. And um, this particular day, uh, 2012, week two, you know, it, it was Ravens versus Eagles. And, and I, I was – 
I was out on the field present, and Ray was present. And, um, you know, Ray was a little older then. You know, he's like 37 years old, and I think I was 32. And I just wasn't afraid no more. I'm like, he, you know, he's he not really looking the same, the physique, you know, but he still got it. You know, he's still Ray Lewis. He's still, he's still a presence. And they made Shady McCoy fumble, and Ray picked it up. And he thought he was home, sweet home. He thought he he thought he had a straight shot to the end zone, Rich. And I ran him down. He didn't see me coming. And I tell you, when I say I super power body slam Ray Lewis, <laughs> that was the best tackle I ever made in my life. And I only got about six. <laughs> I only got about six. And one of them was on Ray. And when I, when I tossed him, I think I threw him like six yards out of bounds. <laughs> found out a lot about myself, too. All the hard work, <laughs> all the hard work in, the, in the weight room paid off. <laughs> That's amazing. That is so great. But, Ray, you know, it's funny about Ray, you know, certainly when you're around him in an environment like this and he's kind of chill, but, you know, uh, having fun and everything like that. But he did say – to everybody, you know, and this is the thing that I was so happy about the run with the NFL legends, Michael Vick, is that everyone's like, well, let's do this again. We'll train. We'll do it. He looked at me and he goes, you have to train too, you know. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> I'm like, I realize what, what you're talking about, the intimidation factor. He like looked at me like yeah. his demeanor changed. He goes, you know, you have to train too. I'm like, oh, yes, oh okay. Yes. Got it. Yes. The utmost respect for Ray Lewis. And the one thing I will say, a lot of those legends and the guys who ran, even the entrepreneurs. I, yeah. I just spoke to Andy Dunn a couple of days ago. Cool. Everybody was like, we're going to train next year. So it's going to be a super cool event. And uh, just give people more to look forward to, man. And uh, definitely uh, an honor to be working alongside of you, Rich, oh. and, uh, what we was able to do for St. Jude. Well, I mean, so, we've got the names up here. You know, you ran with Andy Dunn. Uh, Mark Laurie, Brett Adcock, Jason Robbins, Nate Faust, Vinnit Barrara, Jenny Fleiss. I mean, and then also <clears throat> we had uh, Michael Robbins uh, donate as well. Put them all together. Uh, Michael Rubin, pardon me, put it all together. And, and it was an incredible haul. But when you put eight NFL legends and eight type A business people uh, on the field, there was a certain competitive juice flowing. And then it was uh, <laughs> a day where there's music blaring inside of SoFi Stadium at Hollywood Park because Rams season ticket holders were there. It, it felt, it felt exciting, and it I can't was a thank great you. Atmosphere. I I can't thank you enough for for doing it, Michael. Really appreciate that. And the one thing I will do, in closing, yes, sir. I will listen to my wife because she told me two months back, if you don't train, you're gonna blow out your hamstring, mm -hmm. and it happened. She was the only person I was thinking about when it happened. I was like, man, I gotta start listening to my wife more. So <laughs> I love the lesson. Like, Another lesson learned, and it was a big-time lesson that came out of that. So I've, thanks again, Rick. No, I feel the same way. <laughs> hey, Michael, but before I let you go, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about Aaron Rodgers and what's going on yeah. with the Packers and what you think is going through his brain with his endgame scenario and, you know, your colleague at Fox Sports and Terry Bradshaw saying, I don't know if you're aware of this, he said today that that's, it shows Aaron to be weak, that he is concerned about a kid and Jordan Love. I'm wondering, put it all together, your two cents, and what is going on with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, Michael? Yeah, well, I think Aaron Rodgers has a right to, to feel what he's feeling. Um, you know, I've always been a guy when, you know, backups was drafted um, twice in my career, but only to be drafted in the third round. You know, I kind of looked at it as a threat, and not, not only is it 
threat to me, and I took it as a positive to to work harder and be even better. It's just another thing that exists that you have to deal with, you know, and that's the media, you know, always asking you about this guy and always inquiring about him and knowing that the organization is really leaning towards this kid at some point in the future, which is something that we can't control. It's the inevitable. But Aaron has done a lot, and I think in terms of, you know, how business has been handled and may have not always been the most accurate, who knows? We're not in those rooms or, you know, we're not a part of those conversations. But he has the right to feel what he's feeling as a, as a quarterback, and, and um, <clears throat> it's just hard to play ball in the National Football League, especially quarterback, um, on all levels. And when you add a bunch of different extra pressures to that, it can lead to frustration, and I think that's what Aaron's dealing with. And, you know, he's going to take a page out of the Tom Brady book and probably vet out the best opportunity. But in the end, sometimes in the grand scheme of things, change is good. And I think Aaron Rodgers has a chance to, to create some change. And the Green Bay Packers are in a great position still. You just don't have Aaron Rodgers. You got the guy you wanted, and you got the guy you like, and Jordan Love. And you still have a chance, most importantly, Rich, I'll say this, most importantly, they still have a chance to win the NFC North. Like, come on. I mean, you got Chicago, you got Minnesota, you got Detroit. So it's always a chance, and I think Aaron Rodgers left this team, you know, in a better situation than when he started. So that's something he can hang his hat on, but I look forward to seeing what happens with him in the future. Yeah, because you say change is good. I, I just also think that when it comes down to it, the best chance in place for him to win is staying in Green Bay. The no, question, no, obviously. But, yes. but, but, I mean, if he's not going to sit idly by and wait for the tap to come on the shoulder when he has some sort of leverage right now to, to get what he wants either to stay there or get where he wants to go now, yeah. like, uh, you know, I, 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 so I can kind of understand what he is in fact doing. I understand it. Then you look at teams like, I'll just name one. Look at the Washington Redskins. I mean, they got defense. They got better in the offseason. They got Ron Rivera. They got defense. They got weapons. They got a run game. If I was Aaron Rodgers, I'd be on the Washington football team. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Yep. I'll be on the Washington football team for sure. Interesting. Michael, thanks for the time. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, and thanks again for your generosity, your time your hamstrings, and let, let's do it again. That was really great. As you know, everybody was talking about doing it again and making it bigger. I'm thrilled to hear that you and Andy Dunn are already talking about that. That's great to hear, and let's let's yep. run it. Let's literally, figuratively run it back. Let's do it. Let's run it back, baby. Thanks, Michael. Right, Appreciate baby. the time. You got right. it. That's uh, Fox Sports' Michael Vick, four-time Pro Bowler and 4.72 runner with half a hamstring at age 40 right here on the Rich Eisen Show. You're shaking your head over there. It's incredible, right? Like... I- Chris and I were talking about this yesterday when we were talking about this four seven. I said honestly, I thought he would have run faster. Like I'm, and then you, we find out, yeah, he got hurt, the so target. he would have gone faster, yeah. which is unbelievable. Again, like I said, it was the whole thing's unbelievable that it happened. Period. We threw it together in like two months' yeah, time because yeah. we didn't know is there a combine? Is there not? What are we going to do? Am I going to run the combine? Am I not? Then it comes out, you know, in late January, early February, no combine. Now what? What are we going to do? Well, let's get through, you know, February and figure it out. They started to do that. 
NFL legends, Tracy Perlman got on board, everybody from St. Jude, and then Mark Lurie got his guys and ladies together, and then we started doing it. So people couldn't train for weeks on end, you know? They had no knowledge it, of it. It's not only they didn't have any knowledge of it, we didn't know once we were starting, can it happen anyway? Mm-hmm. So it kind of did get thrown together. The fact that it did get thrown together and we've now raised over $1.7 million for it, 1.76 as you were talking right now is truly the best number but the fact is is that nobody knew but if he did train and everybody does get the time and the heads up i think he can do a four or five as a 41 uh, I, I, I don't so think there's too. any question yeah, about he's that he's running four or five next and year brought, think, and start taking bets i think chris carter can break five seconds too he when he said he was just going to run he was not going to get hurt that said all of the legends when I walked up to him and wondered, asked if they wanted a second run at it, looked at me like I had three heads. <laughs> <laughs> what? Now, you don't want that look when it's Jerry Rice or Chris Carter giving it to you, even though they're being extremely generous with their time and hamstrings. Let's take a break. We'll be back here on the Rich Eisen Show with the director and writer of The Little Things, also of The Rookie and The Blind Side. Can't wait to talk with John Lee Hancock movies when we come back. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Where did Stefan come from? Did that uh, was that uh, that came from uh, two things? John Mulaney wrote that with me, and John I it deserves a lot of credit for Stefan because mm-hmm. he wrote so much of the rhythm of that and the and the specifics of it. And clearly, I found it funny. 
because uh, I laughed every time uh, we did it. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think we ever did it where I didn't laugh. John will put in different things or he'll tell me as I'm walking out and it's just like throwing stuff at me. And when I hosted last, John came out as yeah. Shy, his lawyer, who's also a piss artist. Yeah. And, um, and he came in and he... This is all John and John whispered it and he comes out and and he I thought he was going to do it kind of like in the Stefan voice like, hey, Stefan or whatever. Mm -hmm. and he comes out and he goes, hello, Stefan. <laughs> talked in a very normal He goes, hello, Stefan. Hello, everyone. And he kind of talked in this real official voice. <laughs> and I started laughing. And then he whispered in my ear. He goes, oh, I have something to tell you. And he just whispers in my ear, my girlfriend works at Yoshinoa Beef Ball. <laughs> and, there you go. and I just started laughing just to like, it's just punching me in the face. He's like, hey, by the way, my girlfriend works at Yoshinoa Beef Ball. And I'm like, if you watch it, I'm like, what? I'll tell you, I know you're not supposed to laugh at this stuff and break in the middle of a scene, but... That's oh, just I broke amazing. every time. You yeah, did? the first time was we had a club promoter named Amnesia Bernstein, and it didn't really get anything. <laughs> and then he goes, Amnesia Bernstein didn't really get anything. And he goes, I'll change it to something else. And then as I was walking out, he goes, oh, I changed Amnesia Bernstein to Gay Leota. <laughs> <laughs> and I started laughing. So the minute I roll out, I'm like, Gay <laughs> Leota. All right, the other one was... Uh, sorry, the other one that made me laugh was he said he'll change a little things. We had a we had, we had written a uh, uh, also at the club was uh, a two year old Ultimate Fighter, Julie Lips Jackson. He's got fists like empanadas and he's addicted to ecstasy. That's what we wrote. And then he wrote so it was like two year old uh, two year old two year old Ultimate Fighter, Julie Lips Jackson. Uh, he's got fists like he's got fists like empanadas, and they turn the cue card. <laughs> it said, and he's my best friend. <laughs> so when he turns the card, it says, and he's my best friend. Oh my but God. I lost oh it. My God. I was like, John. I am like and, so and behind the cue cards, past him, I can oh. see him and Sandberg up against the wall, just like <laughs> watching me laughing. Like, just do this, dude. Fun stuff back in the day, right on our YouTube stream, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show for the full show archive. We've been on since 2014. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show on NBC Sports on Peacock, this Rich Eisen Show terrestrial radio affiliate, Sirius XM Odyssey, and and, um, and, of course, uh, everything that you see here will be chopped up and put on our social media feeds on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and so much more. And I'm pleased to have here on the Rich Eisen Show a man who directed one of my favorite sports movie in The Rookie. We just showed my wife and I The Blind Side, which he wrote and directed uh, to my kids just the other day. Uh, loved uh, the founder uh, about Ray Kroc and then the little things that is now available on Blu-ray DVD right now with Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto, Academy Award winners all, the writer-director of this film, John Lee Hancock, here on The Rich Eisen Show. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm doing great. Rich, how are you? Better for talking to you. I don't even know where to start with you. Um, <laughs> honestly, there's so, there's so, there's so much to, to get into. Um, let's, let's start, if you don't mind, before we get to the, the little things, um, some of the films from, from your past. Uh, sure. the, the Rookie, how did you come across the story of Jim Morris, the pitcher that uh, Dennis Quaid portrayed so brilliantly in the film? Um, it, Mike Rich uh, wrote the script, and it was sent to me uh, by a friend of mine who was producing the movie alongside 
uh, a guy named Mark Ciardi, who had played minor league baseball um, with Jimmy Morris way back in the day, not the second time around, but the first time around. And so Mark had come across the story in Sports Illustrated. Somebody said, this guy's making a comeback, this, this old dude. And Charlie thought, wait a minute, it couldn't be the same Jimmy Morris, but it was. And he secured the rights to Jimmy's, you know, Jimmy's life rights. And I read the script and thought that for a guy from Portland, Oregon, Mike Rich uh, did a really great job of capturing West Texas. Um, he had obviously spent a lot of time down there and, uh, and knew his stuff. And it was the first movie I directed, so I was just trying not to get fired. <laughs> well, you succeeded, huh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's so beautifully done. Uh, you know, I, I, I've seen it in theaters. I've watched it once, uh, you know, for like a third, fourth time in my life on a plane. I'm crying at 40,000 feet, like literally tearing up. Um, and, and, you know, for I, I ask this hesitantly um, because I like to think everything's true and ripped straight from actually happening, certainly in my favorite sports movies. The concept of him throwing a fastball using a speed limit <laughs> sign to clock himself and then not knowing just how fast it was because it wasn't operating properly, the the speed limit sign. Um, did that really happen, John Lee Hank? Um, uh, yes and no. Okay. Uh, no, it didn't happen to Jimmy Morris, but Mike Rich swears that uh, when he had, had a, July, a July 4th barbecue one time, that he and uh, he and some of his uh, friends had uh, a few too many beers, and there was one down the street, and they took baseballs and threw it, and they swear that it gauged numbers. So I think late, years later when he wrote the script, he thought, well, that would be a good way to let the audience in on something that Jimmy himself doesn't know. And I just love the idea that he thought he didn't uh, throw very fast, and he walks away, and then the, the, the number nine, the first digit, clicks in. I, I, I get goosebumps just even thinking about that. <laughs> Sir, really? I I, re I remember. You know, it's one of the things about uh, directing movies is you remember exactly where you were when you were shooting that. Okay. And, uh, what what time of night it was? We were in Austin, <clears throat> very near a high school that's now been torn down on a little tiny road. But yeah, you just you took me right back there. Just then. I love it. What time of night was it, John Lee Hancock? It was, it was probably we shot that last. So I think it was probably around 11 at night. Oh, man. Let's get to the blind side. And again, uh, The Little Things, Warner Brothers, the little, little Things, written and directed by John Lee Hancock, available on digital and Blu-ray. John Lee Hancock here on The Rich Eisen Show. You wrote the, um, the blind side as well as directed it. What about the story of Michael Orr um, attracted you to that project? Well, I'm, 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 first, I'm a big Michael Lewis fan. And I always am going to read, you know, books that, that Michael writes. And I had already done a sports movie and wasn't looking to do another one. Right. You can make him, you can get in a rut uh, in a way in terms of the way Hollywood views you. Um, but uh, Gil Netter, the producer, sent me the book. I said, "Would you like to read the book?" And I said, "I'm going to read it anyway, so I might as well." They'll send me a first edition. That would be great. And um, so I get the book and I start reading. And I go, oh man, I've got a take on this. I like. I mean, I knew I knew I was going to like it, but I, I had a strong take. And I said, but they're not going to like my take because it was, it was an unconventional mother-son story. And um, and so, but I went in and pitched to Fox, and and they said they said yes. And we were 
kind of off and running, although it, we went through some fits and starts. It took it took years to get the movie made, and we eventually had to get it, get get Fox to give it up to us so we could take it to Warner Brothers to make it. But um, I don't know. I just I love Leanne Tui, and you know, still I'm really good friends with Sean and Leanne and Michael and all those guys. So it was a great experience. Where is he today? How's he doing? What what's going on with um, Michael Orr? He, you know, he has kids and a wife and, Amazing. Uh, you know, still hangs out with the two of some. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure right now if he's in Memphis or I think he's in, I think he's in back in Baltimore, um, living in Baltimore. How did you get Sandra Bullock involved with that, John Lee? Um, well, I, everybody liked the script uh, that I wrote. Um, so you had different agents talking about different clients and she, um, her name came up, and I thought that to that point, she had done mostly romantic comedies, but I'd seen her do some drama, and I thought she was very good at it, and I knew that we would fail miserably if um, Leanne Tui, you know, isn't funny, we're dead. That's, you know, so I thought that she could handle the, the comedy end of it as well as the drama. And so we met several times, and... Uh, you know, she really liked the script, but she said, I, don't, I just don't know, I don't know. Uh, this this woman seems bigger than life and unreal at the same time. And so I said, I'll tell you what, let's go to Memphis. Let's spend the day with Leanne. And um, and then you can make a decision and you'll feel good about it and I'll feel good about it. Mm-hmm. So we went to Memphis, spent the day with Leanne, which is always crazy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, with her, with her, with her, glo- with her gun in the glove box, and uh, double parking at the high school <laughs> and driving 110 miles an hour to, to, to go visit uh, Michael in, in Oxford and, uh, you know, everything that goes into the day for Leanne. And at the end of it, we said goodbye, and uh, Sandy, you know, said, she terrifies me. <laughs> um, but but that's why I feel like I have to do this movie, because I'm, I've been around long enough now to know that those are the, those are the, the challenges that you're looking for. And she just crushed it. Yeah. All the way to the winner's podium, huh? I yeah. mean, all the way to the Oscar podium. And I'll, I'll tell you this, John Lee Hancock. Um, we showed it to my kids just two weeks ago. Uh, the film holds up with the exception of one aspect, that uh-huh. none of the coaches are where they were now. <laughs> They're all, yeah. not even Nick Saban's in the same spot. You know, it's, yeah. you know, uh, where, yeah. you know, the, the coach of Auburn's now in, in the U.S. Senate. Senate. It's, yeah. it's, it's crazy, but that's the turnover of college football. You know, so yeah. which, which one was the best actor of the college coaches? Well, well we first, should, should point out that they were all playing, they weren't playing themselves where they were even at that point. I mean, <laughs> Nick Saban was playing himself as an LSU coach. Uh, uh, Coach Orgeron was playing himself as the old Miss coach, and he'd already been fired by that point. So everybody, wow. um, you know, nobody was playing themselves in, 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 as coaching the team where they were at that particular point. Um, so they were all a blast. Yeah, um, Nick, you know, Nick. I think we had we had Nick had to work for a couple of days, and so he came in and he was early, and you know, always on time and on it and on the phone the whole time, <laughs> and. Uh, and after we did, we, we shoot like a master of a scene. It was a scene where he comes through the door and is, meets the Tui family. And so you shoot a wide shot, and then you come in for what we call coverage, which is this is your close-up, this is your two-shot, this is, and it, you know, this is going to take a half a day to get this, get this scene done. 
So we shoot the master. We practice it, rehearse it a couple of times, and uh, we rehearse it, and we, and we shoot one master. I said, okay, and we shoot another master. I said, okay, I think we've got that. Let's move in, and, and we're going to come in and cover Sandy or whatever. And Nick turns, and he goes, wait, we're not done? And he said, no, he goes, you already shot it. And I said, well, we have to come in and break it up in pieces so we can edit it together. And he said, you guys need to talk to uh, some people, you know, in, in the football photography world. Cause we don't get to do it multiple times. We get one time and you better capture it all. And I said, well, as soon as that technology exists, I will be, I'll be right there with it, Nick. Um, so he was, he was, but the thing, other thing about Nick is that he, he's, the reason he's so good at, at you know at what he does is mm-hmm. he would say to me after a take he would say don't let me be bad help me be better how can I be better no kidding yeah which was impressive well now I could see him in an Aflac commercial and he's got <laughs> he's clearly nailing that you know I mean I think you know that's you could draw the I, lines I, be- between the two here I coached him up you I did. <laughs> But he was telling you you got one take. You take it. I love that. So was he was he the coach of the Dolphins at the time that he shot this movie? Uh, Is that what no, it was? No, he was a, he was uh, at Alabama. And he you was, put him in LSU a, gear, and he's like cool with that. So that's the last time he probably ever wore LSU gear in his life was in yes. this film. Yes. And what happened was I needed to get the real coaches involved. Right. And Leanne Tui, I was having trouble because coaches didn't want to do it. And uh, and I knew I needed Nick Saban, and so I had one. I had a casting for a Nick Saban lookalike, and I and the guy came in and was and was perfectly fine. But I thought I know the difference, and I, sports fans have to like this movie; sure. they can't hate this movie. So um, I called Leanne and said, "She goes, how's the casting going?" And <laughs> I said, "You know, I'm having a little trouble, you know, getting a hold of Nick." And she goes, I'll, I'll take care of that for you. <laughs> it's like the blind side. It's like yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And, and so uh, I said, so I get a call on a Saturday. My phone rings. I answer it. And he goes, just John Hancock. I said, yes. He goes, it's Nick Saban. Leanne, too. He said, I had to call you. <laughs> <laughs> and boom, and, he's in the movie. Unreal. And the boom, he's in the movie. And he said, I'll wear, he goes, but he said, I'm, I'll wear my LSU stuff that I still have packed away. I said, okay, that's fine. And okay. I asked Leanne, I asked Leanne, I go, how did you convince him to do it? And she said, I told him if he didn't play himself, they were going to hire a short, fat guy to play. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is phenomenal. Oh, the story's better than I could even have hoped. That's incredible. Oh, my gosh. John Lee Hancock here on The Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk about the little things. Um, my gosh, uh, Denzel, Rami Malek, Jared Leto, and a terrific film that, again, people can get on Blu-ray and DVD and digital right now. Um, what, how did you come up with this concept, write it, and, uh, and get all of these terrific actors in your employ for this? Um, it, it, it took a while. I wrote it in 1992. Um, wow. It, I, yeah, it was just an idea that I had. I was very into cop shows and crime movies and procedurals and things like this. And this was before CSI and, and all these shows that we have on TV now that are about procedural, criminal procedures. Um, but I uh, came, up, came up with the idea and uh, wrote it right after I wrote a movie called The Perfect World that Clint Eastwood directed. This was the next one I wrote after that. Um, 
And I don't, it's been so long ago, I don't remember exactly what the impetus was other than I liked, you know, crime movies. Um, so that almost got made three, four times, various directors. And then after I started directing, Mark Johnson, our producer, uh, said, well, you should do it. You should do it. And I had kids that were little, and it's such a dark world to live in. And when you direct a movie, it's a year and a half of your life, you know, minimum. And I, and I thought, ah, I don't really want to live in that dark world when my kids are little, because I'll, I'll, I'll bring that home, and I don't want to do that. And uh, so then my kids were in college, and Mark Johnson said, you're out of excuses. You should do it. And uh, Warner Brothers still owned it. And uh, next thing you know, it was like they said, who do you want, who do you want? to play Joe Deacon. And I said, Denzel Washington, why not, why not shoot for the stars? Right. And uh, he said yes. And then magically, everybody just said yes. Yeah. <laughs> I got all my first choices, you know, uh, the three the three leads, which was never happens, but uh, I'm glad it did. And again, it's available on Blu-ray um, and DVD. So again, these three, Denzel, again, you could just refer, you know how great somebody is when you just refer to them by, by one name, Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, Jared Leto, Again, from your from your your filmography, um, from Saving Mr. Banks, The Alamo, The Founder. I mean, you have directed Tom Hanks. These three, obviously, Sandra Bullock, Emma Thompson, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, a couple of times, Dennis Quaid, Michael Keaton in The Founder. Is there a through line between these actors, actresses that that you as a director have noticed that makes them so great? Yeah, I, you know, first, the, the, the easy answer is they're all incredibly talented, but it goes deeper than that. They are uh, committed to excellence. Um, they, when they show up, they know that they're creating something that's going to last for a long, long time, and they want it to be great because they want, because, you know, if it's Denzel, for instance, he's thinking about, some, somebody's going to watch this movie in 10 years, or I'm going to watch this movie in 10 years. And I don't want to look at it and say, no, I, I, that, I, I didn't go full, full speed on that play. You know? Uh, so I just, I don't know. They're just, they're very, they're very particular um, in choosing. I think they also, all these people <clears throat> choose their projects very carefully because they understand what they do, what they do well and where they won't excel. John Lee Hancock, I appreciate the time. Congrats on the little things. I mean, it, it's got to be, had to have been wild for you to direct this film now when it first started in 1992. That had to be rem- remarkably um, satisfying to you to do that. It was, it, was, it was very, it was satisfying, but it was also very strange because you're going back and revisiting your mind from 30 years ago because these are all things I made up. Uh, so it, it was a little, it was a little strange. I'm glad I, I'm glad I got to do it for two reasons. One, just because I'd always enjoyed it and wanted to see it made. And, and two, because I don't have to make it again now. <laughs> I've, I bet. Uh, thank you for the time. Those stories are great. I'd love to have you on anytime you want. I'm sure I've just barely scratched the surface. I'd love to talk to you about your other projects and whatever project you have uh, that you want to promote. I, you've got a spot here anytime. Thanks for the call. Thanks, Rich. I appreciate it. You bet. That's John Lee Hancock. Go get the little things right now. Available on DVD and Blu-ray wherever you can get them. Nick Saban. (laughs) That's hilarious. How about that? A short, fat guy. (laughs) If you don't return this guy's call, 
they're going to get a short, fat guy to play you. It's almost like the, the, the I have to call you. Is this John? Yeah, well, Leanne said I have to call you. I have to call you. <laughs> like, he got scolded and had to call the school and apologize. Because <laughs> everyone's afraid of that woman. Apparently so. She got Saban to do it. Yeah, like, I mean, it seems like the movie version was it's t- exactly, t- yeah. tamed down. Well, tamed. Well, that's why bit. Sandra Bullock, who got, said she was terrified of her, she won the Oscar for it. That's amazing. I'm telling you, the movie does hold up with the exception of like seeing Nick in LSU gear. Mm-hmm. And, right, right, you know, right. And Philip Fulmer is viewed as, because, you know, the kids from Tennessee yeah, is viewed as like the guy walking on water. Yeah. yeah. Lou with Lou Holtz from Arkansas. Great movie. Um, Tommy Tuberville is now in the U.S. Senate telling people to stick to sports. <laughs> Instead of politics, the guy doesn't even know the three branches of government. But he's sitting there. He's sitting there in his Auburn gear. And how about the fact that Nick Saban's like, I have my own LSU stuff put yeah, away. I'll use it. Does he still have that? You think? Yeah. Is Why shouldn't throw it away? Like the for Michigan it? State and the Cleveland Browns stuff. Like what? What Dolphins? Is is Nick Saban a a, a pack rat? Yeah. I mean, I know. No, I know. Don's like Del Tufo's wearing all this stuff. So is that? Are you saying that? Del Tufo is not the Bill Walsh of audio, but the Nick Saban of audio? Whoa. Because I'll he saves that. all that stuff. Hey, I mean, he's a goat in college. That's I'll fine, too, Mike. You should even accept that. Even though the that. guy above him is not the goat. What, is, what does that even mean? Uh, Bill Belichick. Oh, jeez. Let's take a break. <laughs> when we come back, this is great. The guys, the folks at Zebra mm-hmm. have taken the top times or the top mo- miles per hour of all eight legends. Okay. And actually comp them to the next-gen stats of just how fast actual players were in the NFL this year. Wait to hear these comps coming up. Hey, folks. It's time for the NFL draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep. Because if I don't have one, just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So sleep number helps me. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. What nickname are you most proud of that you did? Oh, man. By the way, I knew that's when I arrived, is when you called me Betty uh, Davis. Rich Betty Davis Betty Eisen. Davis Eisen. And, and you also you... went Rich Kaleidoscope Eisen. Well, you, you, you did that too. We could definitely go a lot of ways with that. Betty Davis, Kaleidoscope. Lucy in the Sky with Eisen, you also well, we gave me could, that yeah, one. Once, once one. you're on a roll, <laughs> maybe a beer in, then they, then they start coming. Um, 
prep. The thing about the nicknames, and I know we talked about it, is they never, this is revisionist history, when people were like, well, he really wanted to do this to be famous. Garbage. I did it because it was 2.30 in the morning, and it said Seattle 5, Kansas City 2 with no pictures for a minute. Yeah, right. You got to go with something. <laughs> right. So here's Julio, won't you let me take you on a seat cruise, had three doubles for the Mariners. <laughs> okay, so it's just, it came out, it worked, it, we, we, that's not the question you asked me. The ones that work the best are the ones that, they're all plays on names, none are derogatory, but you don't have to eat it. So Bert be home by 11. Right, okay? that's a good one. So, <laughs> well, you don't have to know he's a pitcher. You don't have to know he throws a curveball. Right. You don't have to know anything. Right. Every kid's heard it. Every parent said it. You don't even have to be a baseball fan to get that. So a lot of them are food. Some of them are I mean, John, tonight, let it be Lowenstein. That's I mean, um, there. I mean, there's Jose, can you see Cruz? O to B, Young again, McDowell. That was- <laughs> I mean, there was Jim, two silhouettes on Deshaies. I mean, that's music. Joe, actual retail you know, price. price. I mean, there's just, it's, it but, a great it's it, but there's, it's a game everyone can play, you know? And then, then yeah. with football, you go over to high, only under highlights and, you know, Eric sleeping with Eric sleeping with or um, Bernard innocent until proven until guilty. proven guilty. <laughs> Everybody has that's their, their Andre favorites. Bad Moon rising. Well, <laughs> that was next. Well, he tattooed Bad Moon right here on uh, pre-tattoo no. days. Andre's great on buddy the left, of mine. on the left bicep. No, no way he knew who Creedence Clearwater Revival. Was. <laughs> <laughs> no way. But Bad Moon rising, you know. There's tons of them. And then we had some uh, Aussie from uh, Honolulu <laughs> do Berman nicknames for Star Wars. What that a show amazing. we've had. We had an Aussie from Honolulu amazing. call in and do nicknames, uh, sports nicknames uh, on May the 4th day. We watched TJ Jefferson. Um, you know, you made it to the top on The Price is Right, but only came away with a popcorn machine and a, and a, and a ping pong table. I'll accept that. You know? There's a photograph that I guess your friend took a screen grab of you being over. Yeah, my buddy right? Matt, his aunt, my took gosh. Shot and sent it to me. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show as a radio uh, family with our Peacock streaming family. So we're all together just marveling what a show we had with an Aussie calling in from Honolulu doing sports nicknames on May the 4th. Like Those he's, were great. Like he's a... Like he's a uh, you know, a Sydney Opera House version of Chris, Chris Berman, Berman. Right? And then... We watch in real time. T.J. Jefferson's been in the can on, a, on his Price is Right appearance for about a month. We're on live Rich Eisen show air as he's going through his game, getting out of contestants row. Gets all the way to the final. Double over. Yeah, See ya. Nice right party there. gifts for you. Popcorn machine and a ping pong table. Yep. And then great chat with uh, Matt Rule, head coach of the Carolina Panthers, hour one. Going all over the place with Michael Vick with his 40-yard dash time, talking about Aaron Rodgers. John Lee Hancock, his stories about the blind side were phenomenal. Oh, great. Leanne Tui, whose character Sandra Bullock played and won an Oscar for it, apparently is the one who booked Nick Saban on it because Nick wasn't returning the phone calls of the casting director. She didn't give Nick a whole lot of no. choice in the matter, she's like, it oh, seems I, like. She's like, who's playing Nick? Did you get Nick? No, I haven't. He's not returning my calls. Oh, I'll get Nick Saban for you. <laughs> he said within a, within a day, Nick Saban's on the phone saying, Leanne said I had to call you because if I didn't do it, you'd get a short fat guy to play me. <laughs> <laughs> had his own LSU gear 
to use. He yep. goes, I'm not using your stuff. I'll bring my own that I packed away. He was Alabama coach at the time. Great stories. Great stories. All right, and then, they, and then we had from uh, Zebra Technologies, the VP of sports, John Pollard, came on the show and went over, you know, how fast I ran and how many miles per hour I ran. And then the next-gen stats that you see in the National Football League are from the Zebra Technology Zebra Technologies. Um, the data comes from their gear that they put on players, that they put on us for our run. So what they were able to do, because they know how fast every single person in the NFL ran, their top speed for the year, how they know how fast everybody runs on everybody, every single play. They have been able to comp the NFL legends who just ran in the Run Rich Run at SoFi Stadium at Hollywood Park. They were able to comp their top speed with a similar top speed or a similar speed that was run at some point during the season by an actual NFL player. Like, for instance, Ray Lewis, when he got his top speed of 18 miles an hour and change, that apparently was just as fast as Devin White trying to run down uh, Aaron Jones in the first quarter of the game in Tampa. Do you remember that, that the Packers got boat raced this past year? Devin White chasing down Aaron Jones was ran in at max speed of 18.8 mile, 98 miles an hour. How about wow. that one? Terrell Davis ran 18.81 miles per hour for his max speed. Zebra Technologies was able to track how fast Dalvin Cook ran for a 70-yard touchdown this year in week 9 against the Lions. Similar top speed that at some point he was running as fast as Dalvin Cook, who ran a little bit faster than TD in the long run, but TD was running just as fast at one point as Dalvin Cook. Unreal. Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice, top speed at 17.49 miles an hour, at some point was running just as fast as Devontae Adams in a 36-yard gain against the Houston Texans in Week 7. Devontae clocked in a little bit faster than Jerry, but at some point, Jerry was running stride for stride with Devontae Adams in that big play against the Texans. How about that? Wow. This is so cool. Here's the best one. Who did Vic comp with? Again, they're using the height and weight of what they were in a playing days with the height and weight of somebody's playing right now. Michael Vick's max speed of 20.85 miles an hour going stride for stride with Lamar Jackson's 37-yard run against the Dallas Cowboys in that Monday night game this year. When Lamar ran just a little faster at top speed of 21 miles an hour. Oh, baby. And Vic blew a hamstring out and running 472. That's unbelievable. <laughs> That's so crazy. This is my favorite one. Rod Woodson, who we all know, was ru- running his wow. first 40 since 1987. He's banged up anyway, and he was running in his old shoes because he didn't trust the new shoes out of the box. <laughs> I love Rod. His max speed of 15.69 miles an hour comped out with Patrick Peterson's top speed when Buda Baker was being run down by DK Metcalf. And here's the best part about it. Here's the best part about it. If you remember, we had Patrick Peterson on after that. Pat said he didn't run after. Yeah. He DK. gave up. He didn't try. He just gave up. Just like, yeah, I'm not yeah, running. Yeah. Buda's got this thing. I'm not catching. He didn't even run. Buda, run. But even Rod, Rod was clocking as fast as Patrick on that play. That's awesome. Buda, he Amazing. Coming. I love he that. Coming. Look at those comps. That's insane. These guys can still cook. That's Vic why they're legends, running, man. His 40, his top speed was close to Lamar Jackson's top speed in a game. Running for a touchdown in 2020. 
That was a hell of a game for him in Dallas. If you remember, he was coming out when the Ravens were, were, were beginning to falter, and he started – he came back from COVID and took care of business. I don't remember that game. Yeah, I know, right? That happened. Well, that was this year? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't remember. Uh, Jimmy G has spoken on uh, a program, the DA Show. Is that what it's called? Right? On CBS Radio. On yeah. CBS Sports Radio. Jimmy G called in. This is what he had to say about his current situation in San Francisco. John called me. Uh, he didn't tell me who or you know how they were going to do it. But yeah, he gave me the heads up before. Uh, you know, John has been really cool throughout this whole process. Uh, as far as the GM goes, I mean, he's as straightforward and, uh, you know, just an overall good person. And you really got to appreciate him for that. And just, um, you know, throughout the whole thing, it could have got a little little fishy here and there, but he was very straightforward the whole time, and I appreciate him for that. I know it's going to be some competition between us, like it was with me and Tom when I got drafted to New England. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like my dad was just saying, all you could ask for is the opportunity. And so once they, uh, they said you'll have the opportunity to start this year and, you know, fight it out, I was all for it. Uh, I'm ready for the competition, and that's what we're here for. Well, I mean, totally different situation than the one going on in Green Bay, isn't it? Right? Imagine a GM giving the starting quarterback a heads up, hey, we're taking a quarterback. Yeah, yeah hey, we're, we're, we're taking Jordan Love, so yeah. you better pour a stiff one. Uh. Or, hey, we might take somebody or something like that. Again, we don't know the full story of anything going on with Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. None. We're all assuming, but we're hearing from everyone involved. They were straight up with Jimmy G. And he appreciates it. And his father said, you got any opportunity that comes? And his opportunity will be to start this year. And he's got one shot to make sure Trey Lance doesn't get off the bench. This is going to be um, Trey Lance's first year in the NFL. And it's in his power. Because you heard it yesterday from Kyle Shanahan saying right now he doesn't think there's any competition because Trey Lance isn't going to come off of not having played football at all. Only, you know, one year, full year, and then one game in 2020 uh, of experience. He's not going to just come off of that and be better than an NFL quarterback who's got full grasp of the current very difficult system. But it's Jimmy G's job to make sure that Trey Lance's first year looks just like Patrick Mahomes's. Let 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 Trey sit there and then wet his beak a little bit in a Week 17 game that matters not for the team because the team's already clinched its playoff spot and standing. So the only difference would be it would be in Week 18 because there's 17 regular season games this year. True. That's his job. And then he can go and maybe go on a great playoff run and then look at the Niners and say, get your best uh, offer. Send me where I want to go. And they'll do him a favor and send him where he wants to go. That's the best case scenario for him. And it sounds like he's got his head screwed on straight about it. I'm sure we'll talk more about it on tomorrow's show. Thanks to Matt Rule, John Pollard of Zebra Technologies, Michael Vick, John Lee Hancock, and you. Much like TJ Jefferson's bid in the Showcase Showdown, <laughs> this show is over. <laughs> <laughs>